Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially my favorite people, Registered Dietitians. My conversation today is with Energy Igniter and Registered Dietitian, Sherry Bork. Sherry has a passion for helping registered dietitians find a true happy life, and you will want to listen to our conversation and find out why. Make sure to check out my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? It's available at annelizabeth.com, and you can also read my Wisdom Wednesday blog posts and all things happening with Anne Elizabeth. Sherry Bork is an energy igniter, speaker, media spokesperson, and a registered dietitian that is truly living her passion and purpose. I met Sherry a few years ago and listened to her speak at a conference about this exact topic, which I feel has had a sincere impact in my current life. I was excited when she was our keynote speaker at our Iowa Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics conference, and she shared her insight on living a life you love. I knew I had to have a conversation with Sherry and be able to share her amazing insights with everyone and my listeners. I think we could probably have talked for a few hours, maybe even a few days. I hope someday to have her on again, but for now, absorb all you can and get a taste of Sherry's life from this next hour. Please enjoy my conversation with Sherry. I love singing. (laughs) Do you? Do you sing? Do you sing anywhere in your personal life? In church. In church, yeah. You know what I love about singing is that when you're singing, you can't worry, and you, you can only focus on the present. The present is perfect, and when you're singing, you're thinking about your words, you're thinking about your voice, and you can't worry about yesterday, and you can't worry about tomorrow. Oh. That's what's the best about singing. It's when and, did you have that revelation? When I realized I wasn't worrying when I was singing. When you were singing. <laughs> Yeah. That's a that's a beautiful that's a beautiful mm-hmm. way of thinking of singing. Because mm-hmm. like even when I garden, and I love gardening and feeling the dirt, I can still worry. Sure. You know, even many things in life I can still worry. But when you're singing, or when I'm playing the piano, I can only have one thing in my head, and that's pretty cool. That's a gift. Music, music yeah, for I you is something music. that yeah is very yeah. alive in your whole being yeah. when you're doing it. Yeah. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah. Do it you is. do you listen to music outside of playing the piano and singing? Are you a music person? Once in a while. Once in a while. Mm-hmm. I didn't know if you like had your iPod and mm-hmm. jammed out and mm-hmm. <laughs> I would like to do it more. Would I you? Yeah. yeah. Do you think it's time that you don't <clears throat> get to do those things or I think um, I would listen to more music if and more podcasts if I was in the car more, if I had a dedicated time to be listening. Um, once in a while, I try to do it while I'm at my computer, but I can't multitask. I can't type and absorb listen. what you're listening and to. And I'm a person that I write, when I hear something, I write it. And I might throw those notes away, but that's how I, I get it. It goes in my body by writing. I do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's probably why you like writing. Maybe, because yeah. I've always and done that. the other thing that you told me, one of the best things I learned at Fancy was you told me about those markers that you use, <laughs> because I'm a marker person. They're and amazing. 
Yeah, but that's how I, I write, and then it goes in me. Like my talk, I write out, every time I do a presentation or a keynote, I write out my words. Before. And I feel like they go in me. And then I sleep on them. And then they come out. Huh. Yeah. So do you do you kind of visualize it, too, when you write it down? Do you kind of see the words on paper, and then it kind of goes into you that I way? I see a picture. A picture. Because mm-hmm. that's very mm-hmm. similar to what... I do. Mm-hmm. I, and I see a feeling. I see a feeling of like happiness or like today when I woke up in the shower, I pictured myself in a ballroom. Usually I'm in a ballroom with chandeliers. My head is kind of close up high to them. And I picture myself hitting my words to first base, second base, third base, and home run. I picture a home run. I picture like I'm going to have cheers because I'm going to connect to them. And I and I envision that, you know? And I know with my envisioning and with my preparation and with my interviews, I know it will happen. I know it. That is a wonderful thing. And so process. then there's no worry in that because I gave it my all. Because like you did you all said, the steps. Like you said, you know, no matter what I do, I give a hundred percent whether I'm mowing the lawn. Or whether I'm writing, I give it my all. And if I can't, then don't do it. Do you ever have that dialogue with yourself then about maybe I can't give it up my all in this situation, so maybe I shouldn't do this situation? Does that ever come up in your... I think what comes up is thinking about letting go of perfection. I have um, an, an unusual habit, and I really believe perfectionism kills. It, it kills our spirit. I've seen it kill my dietitian clients. So this is going to sound like an odd little thing, but when I had my very first job at the VA hospital in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I called it VASPA for short, <laughs> and we only could write with a black pen. We could not write with a blue pen. And... To this day, I like my I write expenses for myself on a sheet of paper, and I purposely try to make myself write with a blue pen because to me that's imperfect because I was trained to write with a black pen. So think about how many years. I started mm. that job in 1978. Now it's 2016. And it's still there. Mm-hmm. And it's still, still there about write with a black pen. Yeah, and I even like I noticed my October expenses from Fancy were blue and black, and just before I came here, I thought, "Oh, it's a mess." <laughs> You're like, "This is not working yeah. for me." <laughs> but I work on that, you know, and I have clients work on how to every day do something that's imperfect, you know, and to write it down, to record it, because we want to have evidence of it. We manage what we measure. If you're measuring perfection. Have a great life. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Exhausting. <laughs> Exhausting. Mm-hmm. You're always producing. And I tell clients, we want to accomplish two things. You want to have every day should be accomplishing. Okay, I'm productive. I check this off. But joy. And what's so funny is I wrote a newspaper column about how I'm on or off, and the medium speed is joy. And the, I wrote this newspaper column in August, and I wrote the column... And I realized that I didn't have enough joy. So then what I did that very month is I told the editors I was writing newspaper columns for many newspapers where I live, and I said, this is my last column because I don't have enough time for joy. And they were really shocked at that, but it was me writing that column 
that helped me realize I'm on or off, just like Gary says, and I need more joy. And it's not going to be from writing a newspaper column for people I don't know. It's going to be doing maybe singing. You know, um, I always attract people in my life. Another thing I want to do in my life is I want to learn how to play the ukulele. Because I love Hawaii. You love Hawaii. I love Hawaii. <laughs> and I love Over the Rain. I love Hawaiian songs. Sure. And wouldn't you know, I was in Office Max last week, struck, struck, striked up a conversation, struck up a conversation with this really tall, handsome guy. And I said, I love your watch. One thing led to another. He teaches drumming. He could teach me how to play the ukulele in three lessons. <laughs> I oh looked him goodness. up. So I think that it might come true. But oh. it's law of attraction. That you know? has and then to be. I have more time. I have more joy time, and I can play that. I said, do you have to practice a lot? He goes, well, kind of. <laughs> kind of. Oh, There's some method to so it. So I'm like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, thinking about your law of attraction, I mean, obviously you didn't get to this point in your life where you are helping other dietitians with their careers just by chance. Obviously, I think it yeah. was in your cards at some point, even back to the days in the VA. So as a new dietitian in the VA, how looking at where you started to where you are now, how long did you work at the VA? How did you feel in that role? Was it meant to be? Was it a stepping stone? Um, my very first job was the VA. And... Um, it was wonderful because there were 16 dietitians. Oh, my gosh. And it was like a party. And <laughs> I was one of the few that weren't married. And so the Milwaukee College, um, the Medical School of Wisconsin was at the VA. So it was like uh, a young dietitian's date paradise. Really? There were so many med students to date. It was very much fun for me. And how, how young were you then? Um, well, probably like 24. Okay. You know, or probably 24. And I would come back. I had cardiothoracic and surgical floors, and I would come back from seeing patients, and there would be a really cute med student <laughs> sitting in my windowsill. <laughs> You're like, hey. It was fun. Um, but I knew there was a lot of rules there, and I also at the time was falling in love with Gary. And now, did so, you meet him at the VA? I met him during my internship okay. at Milwaukee County. Okay, internship. when you were doing as an intern. Yeah, as an intern, I met him. And um, so I was dating him and a few other people, but I knew that he just had it together. Like, he um, was strong, resilient, practical, wholesome, and wasn't just caring about himself. A lot of the people I dated, they just put themselves ahead of me and you know Gary likes to joke but it's true he calls me COA that stands for center of attention and Aww. so I do like that <laughs> and well, he I, recognized I, that, I know which is that good. Right. that's why I like speaking <laughs> right so um, I ended up moving and when I got married in that blizzard that I talked about and then I went to Stout again for my master's and then I taught there and I could only teach there for three years without my PhD Oh. But what was great about that was who would think that Eau Claire, Wisconsin, this little baby town, would have so many opportunities for me. But I believe it's about you looking for them. I, I didn't realize it, but back in the 80s, I was already practicing law of attraction. So I ended up opening up a dairy council office in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and worked there. And this was there. after you were done teaching? Yeah. Well, I ended up working. I ended up 
going to school at Stout, and then I was a TA during okay. my time there, but then I ended up teaching there. Okay. And I taught um, meal management, uh, quantity food production. I ran a fast food restaurant, restaurant called Edible Express. And at Fancy, after I was done moderating, this wonderful woman, I met her, Jenna Lynn. I was her teacher at Stout <sighs> in 1982, and she was going to be a doctor, and I helped her become a dietitian, which I had no clue of. And she uh-huh. just couldn't hug me enough. We had a picture. It was like, uh, wow, that was pretty cool. And I know I'll stay in contact with her because um, she's been looking for me. She's oh been looking goodness. for me. And she just happened to see that I was moderating. So and she so was going to find you. Yeah. And after the talk, I had all these people waiting. She waited an hour to hug me more and to be with me. So I There's know. some law of attraction yeah, right there. Yeah, yeah, it was <laughs> wonderful. So after Stout then, then the Dairy Council job happened, and that was fabulous because I traveled 28 counties around uh, Wisconsin. A lot of traveling. A lot, lot of traveling, and I knew that I couldn't do it full-time because I was going to have Danielle. And so then they ended up hiring another dietitian. And then she ended up working full-time. But then, another law of attraction, I ended up doing nurse home consulting. And the day that I was going to be doing another job, like I was going to be doing group health, that was an insurance program, Gary accepted a job. Um, The same day I got the letter saying that I was one of the two applicants, two finalists for this job, he accepted a job in Minneapolis. So you were relocating. Relocating again. (laughs) And then... Because you had your daughter by then? Yes, she was one and a half when we moved. Okay. Yeah. And then we moved to Minneapolis, and before I even moved to Minneapolis, I had a job at the Hennepin County Health Department, and it was called the Health Promotion Program. So this was kind of fun. I got to develop programs and also deliver them and also sell them. So like McGlynn Bakery was a big account. I had all the big accounts. I'd say, what do you need? I sell them create them and deliver them. It was kind of like, really like my dairy council days, only I was working for Hennepin County. And that was for programs for their employees? Health promotion. For for the, health prom- right, it was corporate wellness for bigger companies. Mm-hmm. And that that's kind of, I mean, thinking about what year that happened, that's right. very progressive for progressive. the time period. Very, very progressive. And a huge opportunity for a dietitian. Right. I swore I would never be clinical again because I called it <laughs> pajama dietetics. <laughs> Because okay, you I have just to explain that. well, just because I needed I needed more um, oomph, and maybe it was because my job was at the VA, and I didn't see a lot of motivation. You know that was the problem. So it's not about clinical dietitians or clinical dietetics. Mm-hmm. It was my population. You know they really it didn't stimulate you enough. They didn't really care about anything. I remember carefully, carefully, carefully doing a meal plan for like. A thousand milligram sodium diet, and watching there were sixteen beds. They called them wards at the time. Sixteen beds in a room when I started at the VA, and they would toss butter. One butter was fifty milligrams. I'll never forget that. As a new dietitian, I'm like, he just ate a hundred milligrams of, of sodium, and I spent all this time giving him a thousand. Wow. So that was hard for me. Sure. You know, how that long did you do that total then? Uh, three and a half years. Three and a half years. Mm-hmm. And then that's when you moved on and got yeah. your master's. Right. 
And then you said you you managed a fast food restaurant in there? Yeah, in the Edible Express was mm-hmm. part of when I taught at Stout. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and that was a job outside of your No, that was team? part of um, part of your teaching. The restaurants were part of the okay. curriculum for hospitality majors, hotel and restaurant, and for dietetic majors. And we served milk with our specials, just so you know. That and, there, and there's not a big markup on milk, but there's a big markup on soda. Huh. So That's we learned great. a lot. Yeah. yeah. And um, a lot of the money came from Burger King University, from Burger King. So I had to go to Burger King University and learn how to put together a, the 960 Nico broiler. I was treated <laughs> like I was an owner of a Burger uh, King, and I had to pass these tests just like everybody else. Did you ever Stressful. in your wildest dreams? Yes. Oh, my Stressful. gosh. To this day, I love seeing what the new fast foods are because I know what it takes to get it out Well, you there. know all the the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Huh. It's a lot of work. That is a lot, a lot of, work. of work. When you think that McDonald's is serving their berry smoothies and what they had to do to get enough blueberries in the nation to have a consistent product, it blows your mind. If you really thought about it, people bash McDonald's, but when you think about how hard they've tried, Cindy is the dietitian that has been hired that's head of it, and now she has all these dietitians working for her. But it's like moving a locomotive. I mean, she is trying to make changes, but people still bash them, but they're doing small little steps. I go there and I ask for a hamburger, gluten-free. They're wonderful. They put beautiful lettuce on it, extra tomato. You can customize at at any fast food. You just have to ask. Sure. Just have to ask. And so that's I'm interesting. Really You've seen that other side of it, too, so you know mm-hmm. it's possible. Right. And as a dietitian, I think that's important to know that there's more, like you said, the consistency of having enough blueberries to make the smoothie. Right. It's not an easy a- task. Around the entire nation. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> Although people just look at what they're serving. But, or pe- I think a lot of times people focus on what is bad. And what's not working instead of what's working. And I can easily do that route. Mm-hmm. But it's well, like, just like life, but too. It's like flip, right, right, right. It's like flip to switch. Focus what what is good, good what is bad. right, what is beautiful. That's what I always ask myself. And, you know, we can use that positivity ratio. Barbara Fredrickson is this leading researcher, and she's the expert on positivity. So if you have something crummy happen, you say, okay, what is good? Because she's discovered that you need three positives for every one negative. So if something crummy happens in your day, you look for three good things. I'm never, I like that mm-hmm. because I can tend to mm-hmm. do that myself. And mm-hmm. there's always more than three positives probably mm-hmm. that happen. Well, that would be good for marriage because in marriage, you have to find five positives for every negative. Oh. So that, <laughs> that makes sense. That is a lot more. A lot. <laughs> like, okay, let's name those off, Gary. <laughs> that might take some time during yeah. the day. <laughs> right. Right. So you did your wellness program, and how did that? How did that go? Did you start from scratch with your wellness programs? Was Pretty that much. all your creation? Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah, it seemed like there wasn't anything really there. I don't know. I feel like maybe I was the first dietitian that was hired. Okay. I didn't stay there long because I cared about family more than career, and I had an hour commute. Oh, wow. And there was no buses. There was two buses. I lived in Chaska, Minnesota, and I commuted to downtown Minneapolis. That is And one time Danielle was sick, and I couldn't even get home because there was Aww. no bus. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. As a when all I cared about in life was to be a mom, you know, sure. and I was 30 when I became a mom, so I ended up doing something I said I was never going to do in my whole life. I became a clinical dietitian again. 
did you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was closer to home. It was 16 miles away. Um, it was called Waconia Hospital. Now it's called Ridgeview Medical Center. There, It's the most one. It was a gift. It was a present every day. I felt like I truly, really, Anne, had 500 friends there. Oh. They were, to this day, they're my family. The CEO, um, John Devins, I was like his daughter. And he'd say, I wish I had 60 more of you. <laughs> and he helped me change my job titles many, many times. I just, I was started inpatient. Then I thought, oh, I want to do more. So then I created an outpatient position. I started being Sherry Banana there. So there was <laughs> Sherry Banana. talks for kids. Children's oh. and Hospital Weeks, they have Children's and Hospital Week. They would have the paramedics talk, and then they'd have a tour of the ER. And I'm like, why don't you have nutrition? So I had been Sherry Banana for Halloween, and Gary was supposed to be a banana, but he was a fruit vendor. So I had this like old costume that we made. Well, the president of the hospital um, approved my expensive banana peel costume from California, and I gave talks to over 20,000 kids. And wow. it was so fun. I had talked about the food pyramid. I talked about exercise. And I remember when I got my hair cut, I didn't realize that people really watched me or knew my message. They'd say, Sherry Banana, you got your hair cut. I'm like, oh, I got my hair cut. I didn't realize that I really had impacted these kids. And I think I could have done more with that. I don't know. You had a lot of kids. But you're going to have someone probably show up out of the clear blue like you did that Mm -hmm. sweet lady that you impacted that out of the clear blue. You know what? I would not be surprised because um, I had friends named Taff, who it's fat spelled backwards. I had Ragus, (laughs) which is sugar spelled backwards. That was a snake that would pop out of the cereal boxes. That's so great. Did you create that too? Yeah, it was so fun. I looked in kids' ears with a a light, and I could tell what they ate for breakfast. (laughs) And I usually, I was guessing, but guess what? I was right. I mean, it was so, it was just fun. Oh, really, really fun. How long did you spend there then? I was at Waconia Hospital for 10 years. 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it fit well with Mm -hmm. life work But I needed more. I always need more. Like, what's my next more? And so I always wanted to be a clinic dietitian. So Mr. Devins approved a job at, at a clinic, which was two miles from my house. I was there a year because I realized, oh, wow, managed care is really interesting. I just see 14 people a day. And That's that a lot. was hard because I had a three-month waiting list. That clinic was doing FenFen. So I would look at my schedule and I'd be like, oh, I'm booked. And I had 14 people every day, every day, every day, every day. How exhausted were you at the end of the day? What was hard for me was the appointments were a half hour. And I always feel like I, like I have to look at their eyes and get to know them and get to know their spirit. And a half hour was not enough time for that. And I heard that my appointments were going to be perhaps 15 minutes. And I thought... I can't do this. Because the other problem is I devoted, I wasn't good like the doctors are now with like dictating when you're in front of them, but you don't even know that you're existing. Mm-hmm. So I would have to chart 14 people at 5 o'clock at night or 5.30, which then led oh, me gosh. to eating peanut M&Ms or peanuts, um, any food that the doctors had in their drawers, I knew where that was. So I would eat that for dinner. Gary would start to feed the kids. By the time I came home, I was full because I, I ate junk. And I was not doing family dinners. So you were missing out a lot mm-hmm. on that, that life, that 
personal life that you really yeah. wanted. Yeah. But I did my thing of, I want to see what it's like to be a clinical dietitian, you know. So that was good. So then I went to the Marsh, which is a wellness center that um, I was a dietitian there. And then I also, that was the time that I discovered life coaching. And so then I started becoming a life coach there. So talk to me about how you kind of fell into life coaching, because that's really what you're it was li- meant what to you be. do right now. Correct. Mm-hmm. I learned about life coaching on March 5th, um, 1999, <laughs> because this woman was talking about that she was a life coach, and I thought, I don't know what she's talking about, but I do what she does. What is she calling? And then, like, three times, just kept hitting in my head, like, life coach, life coach. Oh. And so what I realized, and I remember, the, I remember the defining moment, it actually happened when I was at Waconia Hospital. I remember talking to this older woman. I don't remember what her name was, but her husband's name was Harry. And I said, why do you eat all of your meals on the couch? She said, because Harry eats all of his meals on his Lazy Boy recliner. She was seeing me for weight loss. And so what I discovered was she wasn't getting enough love from Harry. So she's like mindlessly eating her dinner probably fast, and I could get that money that Harry was watching TV and not giving her the minute of his life, you know. And so that's when I realized. But all along, I always thought I would get in trouble. Never at the VA. That was too early in my career. I was too much into my textbooks. But all the other jobs... I always felt like I was talking to people more about their life than about their food. And that's when I realized it's not what they're eating, it's what's eating them. And that's why coaching was such a perfect fit. So then I went to um, Coach You. Um, It's an online program, and now I'm so excited. I've had two clients now go through that training. Have you? Mm -hmm. And they absolutely love it. It's their passion. Because it's looking at our whole life. And a lot of people want to change their dietitian life, but it's all combined. Like, you have to grow yourself and utilize your gifts and look at what your personal needs are and look at what your values are and that's create the foundation. I tell people I still love the food pyramid even though people you know, <laughs> went away. I still use it a lot. So I have people draw a triangle like a food pyramid and I have them put three words in it. The bottom is B, the middle is do, and the top is have. People hire me or people want in life a have. People want um, a a, a spouse or they want a new job or they want something but if you can't be your best you're never going to have it so I have actually I have them try to memorize I need to be the best I can be the bottom of the pyramid to do what I need to do to have what I need to have but who do you want to be today you know pick your adjective and do you want to be a shining example of your being or a red flag warning like who are you like I mentioned earlier today, you attract who you are, not what you want, you know? And that's very true, because I think that's how probably we've connected in a mm-hmm. way, just even through, like, the nutrition communicators with the Dairy Council, that I think you yeah. you come together with certain people that right. attract each other. Right. And right. that's interesting that you're teaching individuals to do the same thing. Right, right. And law of attraction is so easy when you really study it. I, and, you know, it was such a hard decision for me, um, and because I thought, do I want to spend money on more science to be a dietitian that would be accepted by my dietitian and my science community? Or I had this nagging that I wanted to become a, a law of attraction coach, which is like, oh, voodoo, oh, woo-woo, you know? 
And so I, and my good supporter husband, he says, you have the money, just do it. Cause I, but I kept thinking of, what will science people say? I'm going to study law of attraction. So I bit the bullet and I spent thousands of dollars, went to New York and learned what you need to know to be a law of attraction coach. And I remember um, coming home and spending like $10,000 on furniture. And I just found that receipt this week because one of the pieces of furniture is I bought a mirrored credenza. It's just the most beautiful credenza. And it's mirrored. The whole thing is mirrored. And um, it's got a little problem. And I found the, the warranty. But I realized at that time, I'm like, you can attract anything you want. And I remember buying that furniture. And what I did was I created my living room. It's now a writing room. It's, I call it the Aloha Room because it's <sighs> all soothing colors of Hawaii. And I have a beautiful picture of my favorite picture of Hawaii behind my desk. And it's like I will attract through writing and speaking what I want. And law of attraction is only three steps. What do I want? Like, what's your desire? Mm -hmm. And my desire was I still have the desire of giving a talk in every state, in every academy. Because I know these dietitians were losing it. Like, we are not going to be at the table. If this keeps going 10 years from now, we are not going to be I at the agree. table. When my little sister is becoming a nutritionist in my family, and there's two registered dietitian nutritionists with master's degrees, and she was kind of scared, but not really to tell us, well rest of the America, just jump on and be a dietitian, be a, 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 nutritionist. Be a nutritionist, mm -hmm. right? So I knew that, that my message is I have to speak to these dietitians. They have to just know that there's another way of thinking about it, you know? So what do I desire? Why do I desire it? Like, give it attention, give it attention, and then allow it to happen. So it's pretty easy. But it's just noticing abundance. It's, it's noticing, like, playing the abundance game. I do this with clients all the time. I say, well... Um, I'm in my office and I have 100 pins on my bulletin board. What do you have around you that tops that? And some a woman will say, I'm in my office and it's a really big office and there's 150 lights. Well, we keep getting bigger and bigger. And I want people to start playing abundance on their car rides, you know, to work or to errands. And it's like, there are a thousand leaves on this tree. Oh, wow. Wow, look at there are there's 500 clouds in the sky. And the more you do that, the more you rate you you start getting in this mode of just noticing abundance just by numbers that it creates this positive vibe in you and you attract more. It's amazing. And then it's you amazing. carry it on throughout your day right. and with people that you're around. Right. And, and then your vibe is higher. Like vibes attract light vibes, you attract more. Truly, the more fun you have, and the more vacations you take, and I know you just were on a vacation recently, the more wonderment happens in your life because you're relaxed, you're not worrying, you're not a negative vibration, and the more goodness comes from it. The more you grow your life, the more you grow your fun. <laughs> I, that's, that is a great point. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people that don't do that, mm -hmm. which is why there is a need mm -hmm. for you, for dietitians, mm -hmm. to help them along that journey to find that. Right. Do you feel like dietitians are kind of coming to you at a point where they're trying to decide if they want to be a dietitian anymore or they don't want to be a dietitian anymore? A lot of dietitians are um, fed up because they feel that they're not getting paid what they deserve. Um, right now I'm working with a dietitian that 
um, happened to contact me just for advice, and now she's a client of mine. And I don't give advice, but I listen to what she says, or my biggest gift is listening to what she doesn't say. So I have a client right now who is writing for a famous, famous, famous doctor, and she's writing five articles a day. She gets paid $20 an article. She gets paid $100. The articles take a minimum of one hour. A good article takes an hour. Some take more. So she's getting paid $100 a day, and she's working six to eight hours a day. So she's getting $100 a day. But she's so happy. It's a famous doctor. She wrote them for free from January 15th, January 2015 to May of 2016. May. That's a long time. Free. For free. For free. Takes her whole day. She's very worried about getting sick because how will she write the articles? She takes good care of herself. She exercises. She takes vitamins, all because she can't get sick. I said, well, what about your pay? The reason she contacted me was because she has never been acknowledged by him. Like, she wants to meet him. She wants to, she wants to have feedback on her articles. You don't write and write and write and then have a black... It's like sending an email and having a black hole. And not receiving any response. Right. And so since... Um, since May, she's been getting paid. Before that, it was free. You have to remember that, free, and now she's getting paid. So I helped her figure out how to ask for um, acknowledgement. She didn't want to ask for pay. She wanted to ask for acknowledgement. So I used the four-part formula of nonviolent communication, and like this is, what I, this is what I'm observing, this is how I feel, this is what I need, and remember the number one tool that can change your life is a question, this is my request. And the request cannot be closed-ended, it has to be open-ended and it can't be why, because it puts them on the defense. So um, she had enough courage to do that only after I emailed five of my colleagues and I said, what do you think of this? What advice would you give this dietitian who's doing five articles a day they take an hour, and she's working six to seven hours. Guess what? She was shocked. I told her. I said, you know what? What? She should be People can get $40 a tweet. $141. Another dietitian said, I get paid $500 for a blog. It was, you know, blowing this woman. I mean, dietitians get paid $1 to $2 a word. She was doing $20 for more than an hour of work, you know? So we happen to be everybody that... Uh, answered the email, I would just forward it to her. And I thought, oh, I'm probably killing her. You know? <laughs> She's it was, like, Ugh. And it was all over a weekend. And mm -hmm. all these dietitian colleagues of mine were, were responding. Couldn't wait to respond. Such caring kindness, you know. So then on, um, like on Saturday of that weekend, she said, I have, because of the dietitians, I have the courage she goes, not only am I going to ask him to acknowledge me, I'm going to ask for a raise. <laughs> Good for so, her. Right. But she had to see that, you know what, sometimes our beliefs are not a fact. It's just like, oh, yeah, I think it's fine. Another dietitian that I worked with, I said, what do you earn? She goes, I don't want to tell you. I took a pay cut. I said, you took a pay cut? She goes, yeah, because I, I just wanted this job so badly. She earns nineteen thirty-eight an hour, and she has a master's degree, and she used to earn more than that. And yet she hired me because she wants to charge, she has a, a guy that wants to pay her $100 for a session, but she, it just seemed like it was too much work. So she's continuing to do her 1930, which is fine. You have to decide, 
Are you working to make a difference? And if you are, fine. But then don't, then let go of the struggle and say, you know what, this is okay. But if, if you constantly have this tap on your shoulder going, I love what I do, I'm making a difference, but, 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 then listen to your intuition. You know, it's never wrong. It always is right. You know, so we have to pay attention to what makes us happy, to find our joy and to take risks. You know, doing something different is a risk. And I love what Porter Gale said at Fancy this year. Um, she said that if you're not failing, because she asked how many people failed. She says, if you're not failing, you're not taking risks. And dietitians were so da 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 ABC. Oh, completely. <laughs> and we need to know that I tell my clients mistakes are experiments like a life's an experiment it's okay to make a mistake I've made so many I've paid so many people and so many things so much money that I never recouped but I had to pay why did I have to pay that 24-7 speakers $569 because they said in 18 months we guarantee you that you're going to double that money they never did nope like that burn that one up and that was a mistake, though, that has obviously led you to mm-hmm. the knowledge that you have right now. Right, right. Like, and now I'm more careful. Exactly. I don't just write a check for five sixty nine. dollars put some thought into it. <laughs> right. But you know what? I think, like you said, though, you took risk by going into what you called, like, voodoo, mm-hmm. studying law of attraction mm-hmm. and, you know, doing the, the health mm-hmm. coaching and life coaching and all that kind of stuff is not your typical dietitian role. Right, so right. how do you feel like your risk-taking has helped you just even as a dietitian with your career and where you're at right now? I think I've always been an independent thinker and perhaps nobody could tell me anything. I mean, like, at the VA job in three years, I was written up three times. <laughs> I was fired from the Marsh. I don't see that about you. I mean, I was fired. Like, if all of us think we're amazing. We all think. Like, I was like, who would fire Sherry Book? Like, me? I agree. And I've met so many dietitians that have been let go. Many dietitians hire me after they're let go. It's like, who would fire me? It's just the wrong fit. Like, I was doing my best, but I do this print assessment with clients, and it's what motivates you. Like, what's your deep motivator? And that's your purpose and your desire. Well, my motivation, my big one is to succeed and achieve, and my other one is being independent. So, you know, looking back, I think about all the words. I remember at Waconia Hospital, my first boss, Sue Elmer, she said, the reason you like me is because I don't act like your boss. I'm like, whatever. (laughs) But it's because now when I think back, I am unbossable. You know, like, I will do it my way. You can tell me, but I'm going to do it my way. Mm -hmm. So when I think about risks, I almost had to take a risk of doing what I wanted. But I never forget my dad. You know, you just revere your parents. And when I started life coaching, and even now I'm sure my dad wouldn't really get it. But um, my dad would say this to me, and you want your parents' respect so bad. And he'd say, I can't believe people pay people to talk on the phone. And I'd be like, yeah. And then he'd say this, which killed my heart. He'd say, I can't believe they pay you. And he would say that to me often, Aww. just like, oh, commentary about sharing. <laughs> <laughs> and then I started saying, can you believe that, Dad? <laughs> party, Because yeah. <laughs> it really did hurt. You know, and I guess when you have a, a daughter who 
is going to school for a dietitian, that's like the goodness. That's like being a nurse. It's like, oh, they're going to help others. And then they're doing this voodoo life coaching thing, talking on the phone. They can't understand that, you know? There's a disconnect. Yeah, big disconnect, yeah. And our beliefs aren't a fact, you know? So I have to remember I'm not in charge of my dad's thoughts. Keep my own thoughts. Keep his thoughts to him and don't let his thoughts. So I tell people, like, let's respond instead of react. So... Um, I'm sure I react. The first time he said it, I was like, wow, that like hurt. And react is taking one step backward or maybe even two steps backward. Like, oh, look what my dad said. Respond is taking two steps forward. It's like, yeah, dad, isn't that great? Time to party. You know, taking two <laughs> steps forward. So we have a choice anytime words are hurled at us. How are we going to, are we going to react or are we going to respond? You know, and um, you know what taught me that was life coaching. I learned so much about myself. You can't grow your life if you, you have to grow your spirit. And what's connected to your spirit is your intuition. So if you feel like when you ask me about risk, if there's something bothering you, tapping you on the shoulder, pay attention. That something should be taken care of, you know? And know that there's more out there. I mean, life is so amazing and so fulfilling. You don't have to be waiting and wanting, you know? But the other thing I ask people, are you wanting or are you willing? You want, like, maybe like a lady at the gym. I want to lose weight. I want to be like that. Well, are you willing to work out? <laughs> That's you know, a great way I to want ask to have that. a business, but are you willing to, like, maybe you have to even figure out how to use QuickBooks or something? You know, like little <laughs> things, you know? That willing part. Mm-hmm. And for you, I mean, obviously, you knew mm-hmm. that you wanted something else for yourself yeah. and you're willing to make that happen. Right. No matter what your dad said or what right. anyone else said. Right. Or, I'll be like, I'll be dinged. <laughs> or you know what? I guess, though, too, and maybe there's dietitians like me, and maybe you're like this, too. It's like, I'll show you, you know? <laughs> but that's because I'm so into succeed and achieve. But what the other problem is is succeed and achieve can also become workaholic. Now mm-hmm. that I don't have kids at home, I love what I do. So I can so easily just... You just dive in and you yeah. just kind of melt and away. And I'm in flow. Like, I forget. I'm, like, shocked at what time it is until it's time to go to bed. You know, and your husband's going, "Hey, he's yelling! He's yelling! Time for bed!" He's telling because we have time. a rule: we always go to bed together. The Aww. light goes off together, and that's been probably a good rule. Because you would probably still be in the right. Aloha room, right? Right? <laughs> right? It's been a good rule. Yeah, especially when you're doing something that you you're passionate about and you love, and right. it doesn't feel like work, like you writing your book. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. it's just you're something just, that you just, just keep going, right? And you just keep going, just like even presenting and yeah. getting ready for our meeting today mm-hmm. and and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And I think your job, your job title, yeah, is many different things, but I think it's a necessity to all of us dietitians that need to think differently mm-hmm. about where we're at mm-hmm. in our careers and our lives and finding the balance mm-hmm. and doing what we feel is our purpose and living out Mm -hmm. our passion. I think that's Mm -hmm. so important. So thank you for all that you do for dietitians everywhere. I thank all the dietitians that they wanted to become dietitians. And that they're they're passionate about helping others, but I want them to be passionate about helping themselves and stepping up and saying, I am the expert. It is my time. It's our time. If we don't think that this is our time, Truly, from what I've seen, the massage therapists are the next nutritionists. You're right. I agree. And the health educators and the nurses. Mm-hmm. I've given a lot of exams to nurses too. Chiropractors. Chiropractors. I feel like it's a big one now right. too. Right. 
but you're right. We need to start keeping ourselves, getting ourselves and making mm-hmm. ourselves present at the table because we will get passed over. And that's such a good we point. Mm-hmm. More than ever. You probably see it differently mm-hmm. in different situations yourself mm-hmm. too. But I'm constantly surprised, Aunt, at how people step up. And they're shocked. Um, a dietitian can come to me. Um, there's one dietitian that I'm thinking about that she couldn't get through a coaching session without bawling. And um, she works in food service at this hospital. It's not staffed. So then the man that she reports to doesn't staff it very well. So then she'll have to go work on a Saturday or Sunday mm. as a food service supervisor. She cries about that. She moved two hours away for this job that turned out to not a very good job. I'm proud to say she has a business name. She's just done the LEAP certification. Oh, wow. She went to fa- her first fancy, and now she's actually studying functional nutrition with Susan Allen. And she is on fire. She's and her jacked. life <laughs> has changed so much in like probably nine months. That is and she just pinches herself every day. So, like, if you're wondering what to do, think about what is my purpose? Purpose is, you know, the reason we journey, but passion, what's my passion? What ignites me? So I have this exercise that I do with people. You take a piece of paper and you make three columns. What do I love? What do I love? What do I love? That's one column. The middle column is what am I great at? Like people say, Anne, you are great at writing. Anne, you are great at leading. What, what do other people tell you? And then the last column is dollar signs, money, money, money. What are all the ways you can earn money? And then you put those three together and what do I love? What am I great at? And what are the ways I can earn money? You can really discover your passion. With a little bit of drilling down and maybe talking to your friends or a coach, you can figure out what you were born to do that you'll love. And that's what I do with all my clients. And, it and we figure so we figure out it's so simple. But it's hearing what you don't say too. It's you know what it is? It's listening to your heart. You know? A lot of times people are wigging out. So I say, put your hand over your heart and just ask yourself some questions. What do I feel? Like what am I feeling right now? What do I need? And what do I want? And just stop and ask yourself those three questions. And you'll find an answer. But life is so busy, we don't do that. And we probably need to do it every day. Right. If we're not coming up with answers, then it's time to keep doing it every day. Right. Well, that, I, well, I think that's a great um, message from you. You have wonderful messages all the way around. But where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you when it comes to your assistance and your life coaching? Um, my website, Sherry Bork. C-H-E-R-E-B-O-R-K.com. I would love for them to subscribe to the Abundant Mondays. Um, Mondays are a hard day for a lot of people. It's like, oh, back to it. (laughs) Some people don't (laughs) like their it. And I do it for myself, as I mentioned. So it's just a short and sweet meme of a picture and a, a quote. And then once a month, I send out a newsletter. I've been doing it for 12 years. I have one of the longest-running newsletters um, that my editor knows about. I have the same editor. Since um, you started. It's been going, I think, 12 or 13 years. That is fantastic. Yeah. And I have thousands of people that have stayed with me, which is amazing. And there's always a little article about how to be happy and then a recipe from one of my dietitians or myself and um, just ideas on how to save your life. Because when you save your life... You really can't find the secret to happiness. Oh, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Well, I actually have a few questions for you before we end our conversation today. Tell me about your favorite food. 
I would say I have several. My One of my f- absolutely favorite foods is probably uh, caramelized bacon. <laughs> it's hard to find. Um, once in a while, it's on a menu. Um, but I also, if I was going to pick one food, I would probably have to say cheese because there's so many types of cheese. Mm-hmm. And I, I am sure I eat cheese six of the seven days a week. Do you? Mm-hmm. I do. Cheese I'm a cheesehead from Wisconsin. I truly do eat cheese all the time. Do you have one favorite flavor? I like um, really young Colby. Mm. And I also like Havarti with dill. What's your favorite? My favorite is probably a hard cheese, like a Romano or an Asiago. I do like those hard-aged cheeses. Yeah. We could do that together. We could. Yeah. We shall. Yeah. (laughs) What's your least favorite food? Hmm. Uh, Maybe something in the fish category, like oysters or... Fresh oysters. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've eaten them for good luck. But it's nothing that I would have to have again. Did you have any in Boston when you were at Fancy no, this year? No, but I was no. thinking about it. I tried them. Was it good? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I glad I get, tried it. I think you get used to them. Yeah. I don't think I'd yeah. pop up every morning and say, ooh, I want a raw yeah. oyster, but right. <laughs> it's right. interesting. Right. What's your favorite drink? Right now it's been smoothies, but um, as far as wine goes, um, I probably would like um, Miomi, M-E-I-O-M-I. It's a red blend, and that's my favorite wine that my dinner club has figured out is like the best wine ever. You know, it's funny. I just, for the wine pull for this event, I bought one of those, that brand, one of their, I think their Pinot Noir or something that they that's have. That's it? Yes. That's, that's the best wine. That's the one that I I'll brought. I'll put the label and let you know. <laughs> that's yeah. hilarious. Yes. I just learned about it as well. So confirmed. Yeah. I'll have to buy some for myself. Yeah. What's your least favorite drink? Hmm. <laughs> as a dietitian, the first thing that came to my mind was Ensure. <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought about that. I drink a lot of water, a lot of water, and I love Zevia. Oh, they also yes. were um, one of the food samples for the IAN conference, and I'd probably drink one of those a day now. It's a new sub- substitute for soda pop. It's, yeah, it's a good, refreshing yeah, it's very good. option. I yeah. like that, too. Yeah. What's your favorite smell? Lavender. Lavender. Do you grow mm-hmm. lavender when you garden? I have grown it. Um, I do. I love the flowers in the spring. That's like, oh, spring Spring is here, summer's coming. But I also put it on my dryer balls. So every load oh. of wash, I use my Norwex dryer balls, and I put the lavender on. That's a great on. idea. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to steal mm-hmm. that idea because I have the Norwex dryer balls, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. What's your least favorite smell? Skunk. Skunk. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's that time of year, too. Yeah. <laughs> Smells are something. I had a client... That was overweight because every time he, this is a true story, every time he smelled gasoline, it reminded him of eating a Snickers. So every time he got gasoline, he went into the gas station store and bought a Snickers. Like, think about your smells and how you associate them with food. And who would think you'd associate gasoline no. with a Snickers? Yeah, but that gas amazing? station, that is very interesting. Yeah. Huh. So good questions about smells, Anne. Yeah. <laughs> well, good. And do you have a guilty pleasure when it comes to food? 
I used to love to eat potato chips that were called Mr. G's, and I could only find them in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. But I, I don't know, I just kind of got out of that habit. I don't know. You'd After being gluten-free, maybe if, if I found a really good gluten-free chocolate cookie or if I found a really good gluten-free bread, I maybe would go for it. Haven't found that butter. yet, huh? With butter. Yeah. Warm. Warm. Mm-hmm. Smelling good. Kind of like mm-hmm. what homemade. That'd be, a good, that'd be a good smell. That would be a homemade very bread. good smell. Yes. Gluten-free homemade bread. Did you mm-hmm. used to make homemade bread? I used to make. Yeah. Not, not, not that often, but. Every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if anyone's out there listening knows of a great homemade gluten-free bread recipe, send it our way. That'd be great. <laughs> Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for all your help that you do with dietitians. I think it's much needed, and we appreciate you very much. I appreciate you, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. I had such a great time with Sherry in our conversation. Her outlook on finding and living a life you love is something we all need to be striving for. Why not? Why are you not living a life you love right now? That's the million dollar question. I guess that's maybe my million dollar question. Please go to annelizabethardy.com where my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What? is available. And you can find all the show notes and links to things we talked about. And please connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at annelizabethrd. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.